0: Hands are held, alliances are broken, Guy's Night 2.0 takes place, a solo journey, backstories are learned, buffs are read, acting classes in session, and in the end, our queen is dethroned and her torch snuffed. It's Survivor 45, Episode 11, a recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow Survivor lovers? Welcome to the Survivor Historian, part of the Challenge Historian podcast feed. I am your host and born-again Survivor superfan, Jacob Hollaball, And with me, as he is every week, is our resident Survivor Historian. That is the one and only, the great and powerful Tony Lance. Tony, how are you doing this week?
1: Not too bad. The decorations are up for the most part. The tree is not decorated, but the tree outside is, so that I consider that a win
0: yeah one or the other you know you, you you got something to send a picture i got a picture of it earlier mm-hmm. it looks beautiful you just don't have to send the one inside if someone wants to know what your your christmas spirit is looking like your holiday spirit <laughs> you just send them that and uh you're good in everyone's books exactly. we're here this evening uh in early in december now it's great it's december night that is wild and crazy and we're in the is there a name for the episode before the penultimate episode, or is it just penultimate and finale and the third to last doesn't have a name? Because this is the third to last episode, right? Episode Yeah, 11? I think
1: so. Uh, yeah, because yeah. we got six. Next week yeah. gets us to six five. Next week we is six to five finale.
0: Yeah, and they end yeah. before the holiday takes place. So we're nearing the end. We are here this evening to discuss episode 11 of Survivor. 45 uh here on a saturday evening which i believe this now marks our second saturday recording second or third so so. it moves up the rankings It, it nudges out sunday and uh and thursday i think now but i think this is now in second place here maybe yeah. tied with monday so big big time big things for saturdays you know they're great great days and we're gonna you know break down everything from episode 11 quick programming reminders before we do along with survivor 45 every week with tony and i we both on each of our podcast feeds have our Fank challenge recaps coming up i had i don't know what episode this challenge is on actually. It was episode nine, I believe, was this week. Yeah, uh, eight or nine. Yeah, whichever one occurred this week, where the another, we lost a lot of queens in reality television this week. <laughs> Big T going home. So that recap was up uh, Thursday morning. And we'll continue to be up every Wednesday night, Thursday morning, as long as that season runs, which sounds like until 2025. So we'll be here every (laughs) single week covering it. And Tony and I will be back the next two weeks after this one to continue and round out our coverage of Survivor 45. Anything else on Challenge Fandom worth calling out here up front?
1: Uh, No, I think we're just chugging along, trying to uh, recap everything.
0: Last night. Pardon? How was it doing the uh six host round two last night
1: uh it was we knocked it down to four uh okay. just there was some that's the thing about having
0: six hosts is like yeah. if someone's busy you're like well we could we you know one or two of us is busy we're still probably gonna be okay that's, yeah you
1: know. we still almost have a full contingent of like most other podcasts so it works out well <laughs> um but yeah it was me uh katie rick and karina last night so we got the job done. I think we, we came in a little under two hours uh, for, for the recap, which is pretty good for us. Um, Karina is editing it now, and I think it should be out uh, either tomorrow or Monday, I believe.
0: Okay, wonderful. So probably not too long after you all are listening to this. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's what we got going on. As for tonight, Same Agenda is always going to walk through the episode, talk about all of the major storylines, which there were plenty within this episode. One of the best episodes of the season, I would say, up top, and honestly... Yeah. In saying that, that means it's kind of one of the best episodes of the new era in my mind, potentially at least more most interesting as far as some of the dynamics at play. So a lot to talk about. We'll walk through the whole episode. We'll do our awards, and then at the end, instead of power rankings this week, we're gonna we're, we've replaced that with a new question of similar variety. So definitely make sure to stick around to the end to figure out how we believe Tony and I believe that whoever's your favorite of the six left. If you're wondering how do they win, who do they have to sit next to to be? Able to win their highest chance of winning we're going to answer that question at the end in lieu of power ranking since we are only down to six which is wild and crazy yeah two episodes yeah. left six folks left by the end of this one but there's still seven as of this moment we've got to walk our way through the episode to get uh to six and to see emily go very sad there will, there will be a sad undertones to many many <laughs> portions of this pod so let's dive in uh survivor 45 episode 11 here we go yeah. We start with, we have to start with the very open of the episode, night night, night nineteen. That's tough to say, and into day 20, but specifically the nighttime coming back. This season has been more than any I can remember, has noteworthy things that actually take place immediately after the tribal. We always get yeah. that scene, but more or less. I think I said this earlier in the season that scene's not always really like that necessary or important, but we've had a few that have been this season, and this one was certainly a very important uh yeah it ends up being extremely important honestly by the end of the episode they're all they literally open the episode the first words we hear are let's pop some champagne which i was like that would be hilarious if the producers actually gave them champagne (laughs) they're like you did it you got bruce out you guys deserve this reward um they have a big celebration that bruce is not there and during the celebration emily without really being asked they they like all kind of say you know it's, it's it's amazing he's gone I can't believe we did it I can't believe he didn't play his idol and Emily, hikes in with you know hey I could give some context to that and yeah. says I told him he said he had this person this person and this person on his side and I told him you don't have Julie she's playing you just like she did Kelly and she like pauses there it was very dramatically revealed she's like I told them that you don't have Julie and everyone's like ooh and then she's like. And then I said that she was playing you just like Kelly. And everyone's like, oh, shit, Emily, like you. Oh, my God. And Julie literally, instead of getting mad, says that was all you, girl. That's an incredible move. Like, puts the yep. and Emily kind of covers her mouth in that moment? And maybe or maybe not realizes, like, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Uh, but, yeah, she she takes the credit right there in front of everyone and kind of starts the episode off by painting the target on her back.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with the move because everybody who, like, everybody on the jury could see it, but I think that she really needed to stake the claim on the reason that Bruce walked out with his idol because otherwise other people are going to be able to co-opt that as part of their resume. So she was definitively saying, like, this was my move. I'm the one who got him to not play his idol. And I'm also the one who got him to put his vote where he did sort of thing. So I, I don't, I mean, she, I think that she realized what she did as well. Like she realized that it was like an oh shit moment, but at the same time, you needed to find that line and walk it of yes, I did it, but also not paint a huge target on her back which Julie was more than willing to help with.
0: Yeah, I disagree. I think you, yes, I I told, I agree that like, yes, you do need to like get credit for this in the end. Like yeah. if this is going to be your move and you're going to try to maybe lay a little lower, but I think you have to either one, try reveal this info at a later moment, not in front of the entire group in that setting. Like, you know, the next morning, the next day on the beach, it's going to come up again. Something like the, one of the obvious things to talk about is like, man, yeah. I still can't believe last night. That was so crazy, huh? And you tell one person and hope it gets around or you just fully rely on. If I get to final three, I will ask Bruce directly, you know, to like lead my case of like, yeah. I was responsible for you, Bruce. I think you can confirm. Like I convinced you that Julie was gunning for you and got you to vote for Julie and to think we were all voting for Julie, which some of you actually did. So I, I totally understand why she would want to, but I think, yeah. uh, uh, you know, again, as always, this is with hindsight, who in the moment I would have probably been like, yeah, this is amazing. Everyone is cheering. I did that. You guys know that I did that. Um, uh, But with the hindsight, it's pretty easy to be like, yeah, this is not, not the best way to start the episode for you. And then that is followed by a revelation that I think a lot of folks on Twitter especially have been waiting for, dying for theorizing about all season long. And I actually had seen all the theorizing and thought, no, it's not going to happen. I thought it had it been too long. I maybe we've referenced it. Maybe we haven't. I think, I think I maybe once or twice once I was like, are we sure that there isn't anything between D and Austin more than like being number ones in the game. And they're sure as shit is more between D and Austin than being number one in the game because they're holding hands in front of Julian drew, which I don't know if Julian drew noticed, but also, yeah. Dean and Austin aren't holding hands like on the ground next to each other. They have their elbows propped up and their hands are up in the air. And I'm just like, guys, it's dark out. I know, but like, just put it in the sand and yeah. they won't see it's dark out. You're laying flat on the beach, but you're putting your hands in the air. Uh Seemed a little obvious. I feel like Drew and Julie have to have started to pick up on something by now. Certainly by the end of this episode, I think, uh, I think at least Drew is very aware that like there yeah. may be, something going on but they're totally we don't you know see like a kiss or anything beyond like the hand holding or whatever but we don't need to because he references boston robin amber we get the full flashback to it and then she follows that up with not being intimidated at all by the fact that he just said we could be the next boston robin amber by being like i did tell my friends they joked that like you're gonna find your husband out here so uh Yeah, these two are pretty serious. They're officially they're officially a thing, right?
1: Yeah, Uh, they seem to be. I've I've got no qualms about it. I think they're yeah, they're they're a great fit from what we've seen. Um, I like that it hasn't been a focus uh, because it has to like I know that they kind of peppered bits in enough for the Internet to theorize and enough for people to be like, "Uh, maybe, but I like that it hasn't been a main focus. Um and I know that on um on Fire they were talked they were kind of um comparing it to Matt and Franny. And I like that they went this route with it whereas Matt and Franny was more overt, but I also think that to an extent um D and Austin are are keeping it more on the down low. Exactly. Um, so that it's not something that's at the forefront that everybody's noticing and commenting on because really people are referring to drew and austin as a duo and d and julia as a duo and them as a foursome but not really like all the different machinations of that four Mm
0: -hmm. yeah they the they're not focusing on it because like you said like they're not putting it out there whereas with matt and franny and lots of showmances in the past it's a story amongst the tribe, like Matt and Franny, especially like it was a story. They had everyone else in confessional being like, those two are so cute. Like they're dying to run off and like kiss for the first time or something. Like everyone knows it. they're clearly head over heels for each other. Like it was a storyline. So they have to then cover it as such. And this one, they are very deliberately trying to make sure that like, again, this is the first time I'm guessing this isn't the first time they've like held hands or done made some like a hug has lasted a little bit longer to like, acknowledge in some slight way like hey we're both like feeling the same thing here whatever and we haven't seen any of it and i think they maybe would have showed us a little bit more if there was anything but yeah they're keeping it to themselves which means i think the show did an expert job of yeah give us the little jeff references and on fire that like you know there's the one or two little things the editors did of like lingering on d who's kind of lingering looking at austin when he's performing well and something or vice versa And those little things were what the internet ran with. And I think they played it perfectly because it got the internet talking about something and then it comes to fruition. And you know, that's amazing. So they're together that obviously will uh, become very important later in the episode, but we'll move for the time being to the final thing from uh, this little section of the show, which is Keturah who yeah. Bruce is gone. So guess what? We get to actually learn not just something, but like the whole, the whole story of Katura Cause they can finally be like, Oh, we, We have to move on to a new story. We don't just have Katerra versus Bruce to lean on here. And thank goodness. And she shares her, you know, we've gotten references, especially last week or two weeks ago that they did the the letters from home. And, you know, we got the reference to, I had a, you know, I had a really tough time uh, growing up. I'm estranged from my mother and we didn't, you know, have details to fill that in. And now we do, we get the full story of, being taken out of school at when she was like 10 fifth grade or whatever to join her family, joined a religious cult and she was in it for three years up until the point of being chosen at as a 13 year old, as the next wife of the cult leader, which thankfully her mother then decided this is enough and we're going to, we're going to flee. We're going to run from this and then having to go back into the school system and you know how difficult that was, uh, with just everything she had been through and just what her experience became in high school and choosing then to, you know, build this wildly successful life that she has and build this dream life of, that she has fulfilled in every way. And it was a pretty, I mean, I don't have anything interesting to say other than she's an incredible person. And the story is absolutely astounding and incredible. Um, yeah. And I'm thrilled that we finally got to learn more of this. And I'm thrilled that she was on the beach long enough and got at least close enough with a couple people to finally feel comfortable being vulnerable because sharing this on national television is not, not easy. You know, uh, I, I, no. I, I can't, I don't know that from experience, but I can imagine it's not. And, uh, yeah. and I'm just really glad that we got to the point where she was comfortable to share and where we got to learn all this about her. Cause I would have been, you know, if we would have after the fact learned, you know, this incredible story, um, I would have been a little bummed that we didn't get it and that they just focused all their attention on just she really doesn't like this guy. This guy just really annoys her, you know, so I'm glad I'm glad we got the Keturah story finally.
1: Well, yeah, and it's it's really interesting, too, because so many people said that she was so singularly focused on Bruce. And I mean, all of her confessionals that they chose to show us were. But that was to tell a story, and that was to complete a narrative arc that they wanted to tell as production to make a TV show. But in that for... arc was
0: Bruce's too. Yeah, was the other exactly. Like it she wasn't... was a character. They used her to fill in the character arc of this is how Bruce, everyone is perceiving Bruce, and we're using her as kind of the voice of everyone. She is yeah. one of the loudest, or willing to be one of the loudest, but. You know yeah so continue sorry no Yo, exactly
1: mind. and then to be able to go it was almost like in the blink of an eye they made katura a completely three-dimensional player versus getting little bits and pieces and of course like following her on social media and stuff like that um i'm obviously a fan of hers uh, because she's playing a really good game and she's playing a really like low-key game but still making a lot of moves However, it's now that we're really getting to see them and to just kind of get that all in one, like you could have heard a pin drop when we were watching the episode the first time around. And we were watching it with friends um, over zoom and like no one was talking, everybody was just completely riveted and you saw like the jaws just drop as she's telling the story and being so vulnerable on national television and. To go through that experience and then to turn that around and decide that she wants to help other people who whoever she can um, to just help them better themselves is like, I think Katura may be my hero now. Um, I think that's what that's what I gained from the episode is Keturah, Like I already knew Katura was pretty much a badass, but she's got such an incredible story and the fact that she let everyone in on it is huge
0: yeah yeah hats off to her and it made it the whole time i just wondered man if they like if they could have got bruce off much earlier like what would yeah how what what else would we have got to learn about or what would we have seen or just different gameplay that she would have played as well but specifically just the edit that she would have maybe gotten a different they would have had to you know go more quickly to her own story versus being the kind of lead character in this other person's story for the sake of filling in this compelling arc of the one guy that to be fair, like of the guy, you know, the guy that was coming back. So it was like, we, if anyone's going to like get a kind of tier a storyline across this season, it's the guy that we brought back. Like everyone's going to be interested in what that's going on. And so it all, it all makes sense. Uh just made me wonder like, man, I wonder if if how if she would have felt different earlier on, if we would have learned some of this or if we would have just her game obviously would have been very different if she wasn't so focused, if Bruce wouldn't have been there as long. But uh, glad he's not now and glad, uh, although there I do have a comment about Bruce later in the tribal because I felt I feel really bad for him. Um, I feel I,
1: terrible I, for Bruce. Like yeah. I like I genuinely having followed Bruce because usually at the start of a season, I'll just like I'll follow everyone on Instagram or social media or, like wherever they happen to be. And I've always enjoyed like Bruce's posts and stuff like that. He was super um, like he was really self-aware of like only being on the show for one episode and having that storyline of being the guy who got hurt and pulled within the first like day. And he took it with grace and came back again. And, like, it was this big thing that he's the first returning player of the new era. And then to get the, like, overbearing edit. Yeah. Sucks. He
0: just, yeah, he just got a, a raw deal on the edit. Yeah. I mean, not to not to say that everyone else's feelings weren't valid in,
1: oh, no, not in at all. everything.
0: Yeah. But, uh, again, it is they pick, you know, they only have time to pick a storyline for most people if they even get a full-fledged kind of arc and storyline. And, uh, yeah you know, they, that was available for them to pick for him. Um, but uh, it does, it, I I think seeing everyone's reactions and uh, the friendships he has after the fact outside the game, it speaks much more highly of the, the type of person he is and yeah. everything, but uh, to just use my little comment from tribal, I'll just say it now is, there was a clear divide when they flashed to the jury until the very end, he like leaned over and said something near the end, but the yeah. like couple first flashes to the jury, it was Kendra Kelly and Caleb like turning and talking to each other and whispering the whole time. And Bruce was like noticeably like half a seat away and just kind of stoic and like not interacting. And I was like, Ooh, it hasn't been a fun. 36 hours at Ponderosa. I don't think, I don't think it's, you know, going well. And I just felt awful, but, uh, that's, that's neither here nor there, uh, what is here and there is a journey which is taken. And that's what we'll chat about next. So a boat comes, uh, Jake is very, uh, I, I did get a chance to listen to, uh, um, the pod has spoken Tyson's podcast on the ring reality show. And he made a great point that I didn't totally, I kind of picked up on in the episode, but I didn't realize how smart it could be. It doesn't end up mattering, but that yeah. Jake is like, we heard a boat and I made sure I was like the first to the beach, just in case, like, who knows yeah. what this thing says, if there's any power in being the one that's holding the paper in your hand, whatever, but like, I've got nothing here. I'm grasping straws. I got to get down there. I got to be first. And that is like the little, little smart things that can be done. It doesn't pay off here, but it could have. So, um, yeah, he runs down there. We find out that there is a solo journey, one person. And very specifically, I actually did like that they put right away in there like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you guys don't have to figure it out amongst yourselves, how to like draw something or other if more than one of you wants to go, you draw rocks. Here's the rocks. There's one green one in there. I appreciated that. They draw. Everyone participates in the draw. Emily gets the green one and seems to instantly be like, fuck, I did not want, (laughs) I didn't want this one, but now I have it. And I guess I'm going to go. And now she's going, uh, do you think, do you think everyone should have drawn? And do you think Emily, had, was there a choice to be made? Would it have been weird if she was like, actually, never mind, and like, can you guys all draw again? Or, I, I, I didn't think she should be drawing or trying to go on this journey, and then it ends up being her.
1: I think that the realization that the target had been painted, coming back from tribal, and then having the opportunity for one person to go when you've got seven people and four of them are in a tight alliance and three of them are sort of each on an island unto themselves. I think that it makes sense for everybody to draw because nobody, even if you don't want the advantage, there are certain people that you also don't want to get the potential advantage. So I could see Emily wanting to draw because it's one more chance that a julie or a d does not draw the rock um versus i want to draw the rock because i want to go i think it was more so like i want to make sure that they have the worst chance possible of getting it
0: i just i go the other way of thinking if the target's now on me and i know it is i feel it yeah a solo journey all that just that's isolation and in my mind isolation is the opposite of what i want once the target's on me because isolation just means the target's going to be able to get bigger and i would be fine with hey if d or julie gets it that's fantastic because i could use some time with them not around and to talk to other people whether the conversations go well or not i need them like maybe drew or austin doesn't take it well that i float julie But at least I have then time to like, can you guys just like calm down and not mention that I said that like I get you're not going with that idea great scrap it I'm not on it whatever. Um, So I would be I would I would definitely and if I was there I'd almost maybe have been like I think Jake should go or something like because like Jake's the first one to say I definitely would like to go yeah I would have like snapped right away and been like I think that's a great idea and I think he deserves to go and or whatever I don't know that it would have worked everyone would be like no we're still gonna draw Um, but. Yeah, journey, uh, solo journey just screams isolation. And maybe my opinion is also colored because I don't agree with what she ends up deciding on said journey. So she goes, she's got to do part of the trek through the water um, and then down the rocky beach. And she comes to a challenge, the savvy challenge from earlier in the season that all three teams failed at where yep. it's the little like. Four circles of steel in a bag is like attached to it with some rope and you have to basically figure out the puzzle of how to get it unwoven and unattached and all three teams failed it in group efforts before and now she's being told you have to do this solo if you play and you win you get immunity if you lose you lose your vote she ultimately decides not to play. And then gets back to the beach and tells the truth about everything that happens, which no one believes, or at least D doesn't believe and tries to make yeah. everyone else not believe. So my opinion for not going is probably more shaded by the fact, like if you're going to go and you're going to risk, Hey, I'm, I'm on the chopping block and I just went by myself on a journey. I've got, I, in my mind, you're like, if you decided that you decided knowing I'm doing whatever is there and I'm taking whatever right. risk is there. Uh, now that puzzle looks really freaking hard and I don't think I would get it done. I don't think she would get it done. I don't think on one on their own is getting it done. Um, but yeah, I think it's mine that I just didn't agree with both decisions combined together. What did you think about her not playing? And then also telling the truth about not playing and everything that went down.
1: Yeah. So I look at it from the point of view of if you're, if you're going to like, draw the rocks and you get the green rock and you're going to go. You have to assume that if it's a solo journey, there is an opportunity to get something. So in that situation, if you already know the targets on you, I think I would side more with this gives me the opportunity to get an advantage because it very easily could have been an advantage in the immunity challenge or it could have just been like you one in three like pick a box and she probably doubted that
0: it was as good as it was of uh you get immunity if you solve this which is right as good of as good as you can get and i don't think we've seen that maybe before
1: um like once or once or twice but not as often you're much more likely to get like
0: because it's typically two or three people we haven't seen too many solo journeys
1: yeah so i like i understand why she went uh, and i understand Even if you're going to take the time, like if you're going to be on a solo journey, you're going to isolate. I think Emily's probably the best one to do that because then she can work through all the different groupings of people. And even though it takes her away from the conversations, it also gives her time to sort of prioritize the conversations that she has to have when she goes back. As for actually doing it, I'm also in line with her not doing it because you look at it you know that four people have already failed this you know that you know the people that failed it so if you think that like caleb and sabaya are two of the like more strategic like more i guess savvy in that sense they're going to be the ones who are most likely from your tribe to do it because you nominated them And Jake and Brando were the other two, and she spent time with them. So if you already factor in the fact that she's done a challenge on the island before and didn't do it, was not successful. So she's already got that anxiety of, I already screwed up one of these and I lost my vote. And then you factor in the fact that you know the four people that failed this thing before. And she was looking at it she was eyeing it up and she's like you know what like my vote is more important than potential immunity because like if she doesn't win immunity at the actual immunity challenge and she doesn't have a vote then people have no reason to keep her because she can't even help them make a move at that point so for me i like i understand why she didn't do it i probably wouldn't have done it either in her situation Because I know that I'm not doing that puzzle and I'm not going to get it. So I'm basically just saying, here's, take my vote. I don't want it.
0: She's perceptive enough that I think she made that decision also knowing like, shoot, I probably made the wrong call by playing and being here in the first place. And so as much as this might not be the best, you know, like this sucks that now. Overall, this was probably a misstep for me, but it's maybe a smaller misstep as long as I still have my vote and I'll try this. And I will say also on the pod has spoken, I didn't look it up between listening to that a little bit ago and getting on to record with you, but they had Tyson and Riley didn't have a cast member with them this week. So they had their producer, Ashley, joining them. And Ashley, I think it was Ashley, maybe it was Riley, one of the two, uh, had found someone posted on Reddit a... A, like video explaining how to beat this puzzle right and she was like i watched the video like six times and i have no fucking idea how how you do this puzzle it is really hard it's very intricate and it takes a while and yeah. they then all confirmed like until a carson of the world 3d princess and practices this over and over no one's going to get this because it sounds like the the solution, like the most straightforward solution right. is time consuming and difficult and like one misstep kind of ruins it. And so it just sounds like one of those that maybe the production's leaning on of like, we want this to be like the impossible thing. We would love to have this show yeah. up every other season for 10 seasons and be like the moment someone actually beats this thing to be like this huge deal that so and so finally beat this thing that's been like you know stumped 20 people or whatever and right. uh, i think that's where we're headed but
1: well and it was it was on i think on fire that they were talking about it as well because um jay had asked about reusing it and whether it was just a matter of like did you not have something else did you swap that in for something else and they had said like they didn't anticipate neither group being able to complete it when they did sweat versus savvy Mm -hmm. so they sort of did it again to see if anyone could do it um i would have been interested if jake did go because jake's already tried this thing once so
0: and he would have tried anything put in front of him at this point
1: yeah Yeah, so it would have been interesting to see if he did it
0: jake and katura both try no one else probably tries maybe drew yeah. drew's pretty confident in his mental he
1: acuity. is and i would almost say the the reba the reba four maybe if they any, so
0: comfortable that they would yeah
1: well yeah and they have the majority so yeah. they could very easily go and any one person from the reba four that goes they can still pull a tie yeah
0: well they're, as we find out throughout the rest of the episode, they're not as comfortable as they would have liked to think that first night on the beach handheld in all, but uh, we'll get to that first. We have to talk about the immunity challenge. So they play in my mind, one of the better games that I've ever seen on yeah. survivor. I absolutely love this. They're attached to a rope. They have to untie rope an unknown amount of rope not all of it but will be needed but at least a lot of it will be to then once it's untied get down a little obstacle course to where they can stand on their platform throw balls at some blocks once all the blocks are knocked over you make the what what's the proper term for the puzzle that they're making uh like the floating Um, word puzzle like
1: yeah kind of like it was i've not seen one like that before um
0: it's the hardest puzzle I've ever seen to put together. Cause when they, when Jeff yeah. just explains it and they do the quick flash through of like, this is what you're going to do. I, it didn't r- register to me that like, Oh, you have to like hold this thing as you put the piece together. Like yeah. it's going to be harder than getting the word and everything else is just physically putting this thing together. Um, but that you have to do, you have to have enough rope to do it. You don't want to get too much rope and waste time, but then you waste time if you didn't get enough rope and you have to go back. I thought it was brilliant i this is yeah. one of my favorite games i've ever seen on the show
1: uh yeah when i was watching it i was like i would kind of like them just to, to take this immunity challenge and put it in as a daily in the last section of the challenge this season yeah like i would love to see start
0: stealing more things from survivor yeah. already well uh, not only
1: support. that but like you've got what this is day 2021 20, so they're already depleted as far as like mentally physically everything else if you put a group of people who are at like the top of their game and play this exact challenge, I think it's still just as intense. And I think it's still just as like neck and neck.
0: And it works so well in the challenge. Cause it's like a mini not so fast is the first yeah. portion of like, you got to get this all untangled. And it's like a variation of that. Um, so yeah, yeah uh, Survivor should use this game again. The challenge should steal this game. <laughs> uh, Drew gets the win. He beats out Austin, who are really the only two. I think Katura right at the end gets all of her blocks, but like yeah. right, right as uh, Drew eventually wins. Drew and Austin are really the only two that get to the blocks and actually get to put it together. Drew gets there much earlier than Austin, but he struggles mightily. And again, because it's really freaking hard yeah. to just hold the thing together as you build it. Austin gets it built, but then basically blacks out when Jeff over and over in like props to Jeff. I, I don't know if it's helping or not, uh, or if, if it would have helped and Austin would have won. If someone might've complained, like, come on, like Jeff, like that was a little much, but Jeff tells him like three or four times, like, yeah, you've got to look at both sides. It's got to be correct on both sides. Austin, have you checked both sides? And he just stands there just looking at it um and never and says afterwards like yeah i just i don't know man i was out of it and it was i was confused and whatever drew gets it a uh, big win for drew he's very excited as he should be and he then gets to pick not only is he safe but he gets the little barbecue hot dogs and burgers he gets to pick two people in the end to go with him he picks first jake saying that Uh, Jake and him have gone the longest without getting a reward. I did not fact check him. I took him at his word and that no one else (laughs) seemed to fact check him on that and then decides when to get to picks another, Hey boys, night 2.0 and picks Austin. What did you think about drew getting his first win of the season? And then also his decision to go ahead and pick the guys is strategically. Does that stand out to you in any way? Uh,
1: I like that. He referred to himself as the goober of the camp. Um, just because you Goober guys won't is not... say it, but I'll say yeah. it for you. <laughs> yeah, Goober is not used enough um, in my day to day. So I appreciate that. Um, I will also say, Austin just completely blanking on that puzzle reminded me so much of Wendell on Ghost Island. So he completed his puzzle and stood back, but didn't call Jeff over. And then Laurel completed hers, called Probst over, and won. Oh. And Wendell was like, what's the deal? And Jeff, like, they had that conversation there of, like, unless you call me over, I don't know that you're done. Like, I don't know if you're still thinking about it. I don't know what's going on. Like, you realize that, like, Laurel wins this, right? Like, that this is the logical conclusion. But, like, Wendell just, it just didn't fire in his head yeah. to call probes over. He, like, finished the puzzle, and then he's, like, cool, that's it. Now, the next challenge, he yelled probe's name, like, 12 times really loud and really overtly but he could have potentially gone home because he didn't say anything and like that was the same as aussie just like completely just wasn't registering the both sides thing which makes that thing a million times harder because it's already hard to just do it on one side and bridge the gap um but as as far as like who he took it makes the most sense because Emily just won the last one and took all the girls. So it makes sense to turn around and do the exact same thing simply because if he takes the guys, he knows that, like, he's got two picks. He can take the two guys. If he takes one of the girls, then it looks fishy no matter who you take because you're either excluding one of the two women in your alliance, you're bringing Katura who isn't really a part of their gameplay at the moment. And they're like, Oh, well, is he trying to bring her over? Or he brings Emily. And then it's like, well, Emily just won a challenge and she just made this big move. And now drew is cozying up to Emily more so than before. So I think the only way that he doesn't paint a massive target on his back is to do exactly what he did.
0: Yeah. In my head, I'm just thinking like, can he, has anyone ever in that situation, like as they walked off to a reward or whatever, like signaled back to the other people, like if this in this instance, like he wouldn't have done this because he didn't really want to eliminate her. But like, if he's like Emily, like you're coming. And then he like looked back and like winked at Julie and D of like, get the others on board, like Emily out of here, like get the others on board. I got her out of there again. Um, I don't know that anyone would ever do that, but in my head, I was just like thinking about that That would be fun if he did correct that it's just, you don't often get the safe choice to make strategically of like, no one's yeah. going to, this is not going to negatively impact my game at all by who I pick. But like we had this a reward 36 hours ago, all the <laughs> women got to eat Jake and I haven't eaten in a while. And like, this will be fine. It's half of our yeah. alliance, the whole thing. So yeah, it makes sense. I was happy for Drew. Uh, we did not get any Kenny, Kenny Loggins. Um, They did not pay for any good music over no. this uh, hang. It wasn't as much of a bro fest as the one was before. I, we didn't get any farts even like not even
1: one, no, fart not a one,
0: one burp, one fart, something we could have got it. But Drew is safe, which is probably honestly the most interesting thing as far as who could have won. Uh, yeah. Because I think things would have been very different if he wouldn't have won. I think uh, he would have played very different. And maybe if he didn't play different, the target would have been uh, pretty firmly on him, uh, maybe as much as Julie or Emily um, or either. So he wins. That's interesting. And then we head back to the beach to get a good old fashioned scramble. So at the beach, everyone early on, everyone not named D, uh, or Julie herself is pretty on board with the idea of we all painted this picture about mama J last time. We kind of lied to Bruce about wanting to vote her out, but we were able to do it because we actually do want to vote her out and just planned yeah. on doing it this time. Everyone's in lockstep. Drew is more or less leading even more than Emily is. Drew is leading in he, cause he knows to really make this happen we could do it without Austin and D but like, I at least want to tell Austin because in Drew's mind, he's like, it's my number one. If I don't tell him I fracture that relationship. And this is where everything just gets super interesting between the re before it's so, and this is why I thought this episode maybe is the best of the entire modern era, as far as the dynamics, because you have the strong now showman's level, romantic level relationship between Austin and D while at the same time, having this very firm Drew and Austin are best buds, D and Julie are best buds. The four of them, like Drew and Julie, aren't on that level on the outsides of it, but all four of yeah. them are then held together because there's these three different two person relationships. And so everyone slowly has to do the thing where Drew has to be like, Well, I know we don't need him, but like if I don't tell him, then yeah. this hurts me later on so i have to tell austin but then in the back of my mind i know that austin's going to be like well shit dude like i can be okay with this but like i have to tell d and then he tells d knowing d's going to be like i obviously i can't do this or let this happen and not tell julie and yeah. everyone knows that those things are going to happen but they also know like i want the thing <laughs> to happen and I have to tell the next closest person to me, even if I'm pretty confident the dominoes that are going to happen. And so it's just such a mess, but such a beautiful mess and is just the perfect dynamic that I just it was unbelievable to get to watch play out. And yeah. Austin, especially the conversation between Austin and D is definitely the highlight where he yeah. just you could see it on his face like. I shouldn't be telling her like, oh man, like Drew, why'd you even tell me? I shouldn't be telling her. He literally says, I wrote down exactly how he phrased this here. Um, (laughs) Let's see. There is a strong movement against her, against Emily, against Julie. (laughs) He's just like so reluctant to say it. And then he won't say Julie again. He then says her again, multiple times after that. Uh how what were your feelings on the the finally the re before having some real true cracks and breaks and uh votes being cast for each other here?
1: I mean, you knew it was gonna happen. We talked about it last week. It kinda has to happen while you have the numbers because as soon as you lose a couple more people, if you're truly going final four with the re before, you're kind of hooped because everybody's going to spawn each other's game because you've all played together. So it's not even a matter. It's it's a matter of it's really hard to take credit for something that you've done as a quartet. And on top of that, they showed it um, just like they didn't comment on it, but they showed earlier um, Jake and Keturah trying to make fire. And then Keturah references it where she says like, Why can't we just vote somebody out at four? Why do we have to do all this, Jeff? And then they have another scene where Emily and Julie are working on the fire and Emily said something like, Julie, you've got this or something like that because Julie has once again made the fire. So you're like, okay, cool. So we've referenced the fact that there is Final Four fire making and then you've got a throwaway shot that's like 10 seconds long of Julie being referenced as being the one who's consistently making fire, and you have Jake and Keturah who are struggling to make fire. So I'm like, okay, cool. So we've probably got a, file, a final four fire-making situation.
0: Between Julie versus one of those two.
1: Yeah, but I can also see that as like, this is why we need to get Julie out. Because what's happening right now is you're seeing a domino effect of this person's a massive threat that's why we need to get them out so it's less of i want to sit next to the strongest people and plead my case and it's more of i want to win and who do i have to get rid of and who do i have to make sit on the jury in order to win so it was inevitable the, the breakdown's really interesting because really i wrote it down where it was austin and d austin and drew Julie and Drew, Julie and D like everybody is so interconnected that it's really Austin and Julie and Drew and D that don't have a true cross section. Everybody else has something to some degree. And really like Drew and Julie know that out of the four of them, they're sort of three and four. So they're sort of a duo out of necessity, knowing that if they need to, they can team up and take out an Austin or a D
0: but they're the ones that are the most at each other's yeah Uh, that scene we saw a few weeks ago and that we commented on was that saying them when they you know gave each other permission like we're all going to be friends after this no matter what like what we have isn't going to change was that them giving each other permission to vote for each other or them saying like acknowledging we're going to have to vote out Austin and D and it was hard to tell if they both were on the same page, different page, and which of those two pages they were on in that moment. And in this episode, I think they buy it, both kind of take the path. And it, we see in the next week on potentially, who knows, those things <laughs> you know, don't always lead us in the right direction, but that uh, these two are going to be at each other's throats now. Because uh, Drew yeah. is 100% the, the leader of the, like, let's get Julie out right here and now oh, totally. movement, uh, which is, yeah, interesting. Because I think they they both should be looking at it a little more like, uh, you know, Austin and D and would be maybe more of a target to the two of them. Um, but they all, like you said before, they all are because if you almost want either, you want to be the only Reba sitting at the end, or you yeah. kind of want three Reba sitting at the yeah. end. I would feel like you don't want two because then whoever that third person is, is at least able to just make a stark contrast. If you're the only one, you get to take credit for everything and you win. And if yeah. it's all three of you, then let's see who's the best arguer and whatever, but you're all three, you know, coming in with the same sheet there. And if yeah. there's two of you, it becomes, you know, maybe it doesn't matter because if it's a drew or Ketur and you're like, they, they have nothing to stand on. You have to pick between one of us two. But, uh, I think that's probably the worst place that they don't want to end up is two of us, not three or one. Um, but they, they seem to be headed, <laughs> headed to two of them. I feel like is going to be there. Uh, and then the last thing we'll actually just, uh, Go into the next segment to talk about because it ties into the eventual vote. But D D obviously tells Julie. She tells her, Hey, this is all we gotta do. You gotta vote for you got to play your idol, vote for Emily. She's out. Julie says, I want to vote for Austin. Julie floats to we don't know how serious whether she's just messing with them to mess with them or she's yeah. actually like, let me take this awkward opportunity to just see, just see what Emily or is it Jake and Katura or Emily and Jane?
1: Jake and Emily. Yeah,
0: yeah, Jake and Emily. Like, see what they say if I just awkwardly sit down with them and be like, "So, what about Austin, guys? Huh? What about Austin?" Uh, but she wants Austin. D is like, you know, they head to tribal with D urging her, "Please, please, please, just you write Emily." And Emily's out, and we'll talk more about that here with the uh, tribal se- tribal council section because uh, uh, her Julie's choice matters because D doesn't D D votes for Julie. So let's head to travel council. We'll get back to that point in one moment. The one thing I want to say before we discuss D voting for Julie, which I just can't, I don't, it makes zero sense to me. Um, So I can truly leaving it up to
1: Julie. Um, I have a take on that.
0: Okay. We'll hold it for uh, 90 seconds because I will, I do have to say uh, Jeff brings up a point That I believe he and the production crew deserve an applause for from both of us and I think from a large segment of the Survivor fandom he references because it is uh, important in this context of like hey there hasn't been like a lot of idols played there's hasn't been like many advantages at all this whole season. And he's referencing it because like, Hey, that probably someone's holding things. I want to see if any of you want to, the way everyone last week was like, Bruce has an idol and he's going to play it. I want to see if that happens <laughs> again, but it does bring up a good point And I have to just give them a, a quick applause. Yes. Part of it is because people have continually to fail at the journeys or not participate in them, but there has been very few idols in almost no advantages in this whole game. There was the original idol and beware advantage on everyone's beach and then there's been what three journeys in total since the merge, basically. I think so, yeah. But we've had Emily not do it. Three people fail, and then the three people take the uh, the amulets over playing for something or taking the sandwiches. So
1: Austin uh, got his vote back though. So two of them failed, and Austin got his back.
0: Yes. Uh, so overall, though, compared to the last, you know, the first four seasons of the modern era. There has been a, I don't know what the percentage drop-off is, but it's steep as far as advantages and disadvantages. I am a big fan of that. I applaud that. And uh, just Jeff calling it out made me realize like, oh yeah, there is. That's one of the many reasons why I'm enjoying this season so much is because there was back to what I would call kind of a normal level of there's always an idol or two floating in the game. And if one gets used, we'll get one back in. We'll offer an advantage here, there, but it's not like, Every episode, you're like, wait a minute, what three people have idols? What four advantages are out there? What's going on? The whole thing. So I loved it. And I just wanted to quickly shout out Jeff in production uh, because I appreciate this.
1: So I will concur that there haven't been a lot. However, there's been a lot more like lose your votes. And I would say that this episode in particular is absolute proof that they should just like leave it the fuck alone and let people play because the only thing that came into play this episode was a hidden immunity idol and an immunity that was won at a challenge there was no other game mechanic like emily didn't take part in the journey thing so she didn't lose her vote everybody had access to their vote it was a blindside, mostly of Emily. And she, on some level, she saw it coming, but nobody knew that Julie had the hidden immunity idol, other than Austin and Drew and D. But nobody knew that she was going to play it, other than really D. So they didn't ha- like nothing. There was nothing. There was no twists, like nothing at all. It was old school Survivor. That's I think why I like this episode as much as I do is it was just flat out old school hidden immunity idol nothing else and i'm for it
0: yeah it you know it's not always going to work out like this but it's not manufactured the way you know i think they they got to a point where they're like you know this only works in the way that it did in this episode, maybe one out of three times that like an advantage ends up getting played in a dramatic way. That's really compelling and interesting and authentic. And so they got to the point of like, let's engineer and kind of manufacture every episode. So uh, the blind side, because there was this advantage in this and no one knew or whatever. And this is the type, the payoff is much greater when a more old school method like this of these idols were both introduced long ago. Yeah. And then multiple episodes ago, we kind of in a passing moment, we find out that Julie has it. We don't even really know until this episode, she still has it and that she's not going to give it back (laughs) and then she gets to play it. And it leads to this huge moment where the kind of front runner and probable fan favorite at this point, Emily, you know, goes home because of it. Um, so yeah, they, they nailed it and I hope they, they realize that even if it doesn't work out perfectly like this for them in the future, that setting up these types of opportunities are over the course of time, much more beneficial and have greater payoffs when they do pay off and does the, let's just pump a bunch of stuff in here to make sure something yeah. happens every episode. So that's that back then to let's get your take now then on D urges Julie to vote for Emily, not Austin. Knows that Julie is definitely thinking about vote for Austin. <laughs> And I would assume knows that everyone at camp is pretty obviously D and Julie are tight. Uh yeah. It's not like she's hiding anything. I don't think she's gaining anything by, you know, she tells Julie back at camp, like I'm going to vote for you and we're going to get really mad at each other afterwards. Like tries to come up with this idea. Yeah. And it's like, I no one, no one's coming back to camp and being like, wow, D and Julie are on the outs. Like no one's believing that. It just, I have no idea why D did not, Also vote for Emily in case Julie voted for Austin or anyone else, her D herself. um, You you say you have a reason. I would love to.
1: to So Austin did tell Drew that he told D, but D didn't tell Austin that she told Julie. And he had said basically like she can't know because she can't play her idol. If she plays her idol, then it's bad for us, right? So D like to your point where she said, like, I'm gonna vote for you. You need to play your idol, and I'll we'll be pissed at each other when we come back. Because that does even because perception is reality, as I've said many times, and as they say on why blank lost. But if they come back, and she did play it well at tribal, D did, of when the idol came out. D looked genuinely shocked, but Austin also told Drew, "If she plays something, I'll play something." So she very he very easily could have said the same thing to D, of, "If she does play it, then I'll just play mine to be safe," sort of thing. Um, because what could have happened, and that could have been why D was shocked, was that Julie played her idol, and then Austin didn't play anything. Austin has that idol until final six, and I'm interested to know when Drew's doesn't work anymore. His um, knowledge without power,
0: I think it might because have passed.
1: I don't know because there hasn't been anything said about it. I and thought I his in- was
0: maybe final seven.
1: I wasn't sure if I it know, was seven or six. you all look
0: up if uh, challenge, uh, challenge fandom, survivor fandom has usually has a pretty good.
1: Yeah, because if it's six, then it could be that Austin and Drew just like idle and walk out of final six and both end up in final five.
0: Yeah, they don't have Drew listed as having an advantage anymore. Okay. So I wonder if he no longer has um, said advantage. I think I, I for some reason in my head, I had it that it ran out at seven. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know for sure. Hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Nothing on here. Um. Yeah. I'm going to go, though, with he doesn't if we haven't heard about it and he he would have mentioned it in a confessional, I feel like. So I feel like that that uh doesn't doesn't exist anymore.
1: Which makes final six a bit more interesting, because if it was like like I said, like if it was that Austin has his idol and Drew has a knowledge without power then they could sit there and then he could just leave and then austin could play as idol and it they could make expired. sure uh
0: yeah, cool. he, it's the safety without power that and one yeah it was only good until the final 10.
1: oh geez that's been gone so for he a has while not had though.
0: it for a while which is why we haven't heard about it yeah fair enough so uh yeah but I mean i you're correct you that's an astute observation, and I was not thinking about it, so you're correct that yes, this is d 's way of hiding that she told Julie anything, but again, i just i don't think they're gonna they're not no one's gonna believe it is my like thing, so like it's fine that you did that, but she did play it, and everyone's gonna. <laughs> Everyone sees the chain of communication here and is going to be like, well, we think we did a pretty good job. And like, yeah, maybe she knew anyways and would have played. But like, I don't know. I feel like she's going to get accused no matter what. And it's going to
1: to come out. I think it would have worked worse. I think it works. This is best case scenario that Jeff read every single vote because then they know that D voted for Julie. If it was he read every single vote and there were two votes for Emily, then you're like, okay, well, D is now on an island unto herself and she is completely screwed. But where he read every single vote and every single vote other than Julie said, Julie, I think that that does help if they actually play it up. They could just not like it could be something that does not happen next episode. And they come back and they're like, Hey, we did it because really it's D's move. Julie, Julie, like did it, but it was D's idea. And like D's plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. D chose for Emily to go home instead of Julie. Yeah. It's all, it's all D's. D D has made all the moves for Reba. If, if the jury was able to watch our edit edit of the show, they would all a hundred percent right now, I think be like, well, D wins. She's literally the only one left with anything to truly take credit for. She could take credit for everything Reba has done as Reba has done everything that has happened. So, uh, she is, she's in the driver's seat, but I mean, I, I like both of them. And if I wasn't rooting for Emily to win of this seven, there's a part of me that might be rooting for Austin to win, but it would have been something else if Julie would have done it and would have and sent would have sent Austin home with and, an idol in his pocket. I mean, it, I don't think it was the, it, this was the right move for her to make. I think if she yeah. does that there is zero chance that Julie doesn't go home at, and the next time she isn't immune, <laughs> no matter what, um, because she is, she take, overtakes D and, and then some the like, yeah. everyone loves you and you just did that. So like, um, she's winning, but, uh, she definitely thought about it. And I, I, I was a little, I didn't know what was going to happen. I definitely did not, was not confident that last vote was for sure for Emily, except actually, I might've been, I did say in my notes by the end of the tribal council. And this is, I know they, the editing team is unbelievable. So, you know, who's me to nitpick at some little thing, but I literally put my notes for the tribal council on we were many minutes in and many answers in. And I felt like we were on the verge of like saying it's time to vote. And I wrote, Austin has not spoken yet. Austin hasn't been called on. And I was like, if this dude's going to get blind, like if she votes for him, he would have got to speak. And he speaks one time. And right after that, he, without being asked, just like butts in and says something. And that's the only quick little time he speaks the whole time. And so I was a little bit like onto the edit of like, uh, I feel pretty good. It's Emily, but I'm still up in the air because Julia was a pretty convincing otherwise, but Emily goes home, which is really sad. Very because, sad. Yeah, I mean, I've been very bullish, obviously declaring that she was going to win for like six weeks in a row now. Um, and, uh, yeah, she just, she got a little too strong, a little too quickly and, mm-hmm. uh, takes, takes the bullet and it really, it's it's you know she's she lost to love you know it's austin austin had to tell d and d had to tell julie and that's what cost emily in the end because i think if if austin keep has the courage to keep it to himself
1: oh yeah julie goes home
0: still still thinks about it maybe she still plays it but i would bet it's 50 50 because one other interesting note Austin, one, don't give someone an idol and then not immediately ask for it back immediately after the tribal. If you're going to give it to them, there is no they, they, there is no world where they can keep it if when you yeah. get back to the beach, you pull them to the side and you immediately ask for it back. But if you're going to give one away and then just let them keep it and you have two, you keep the one that lasts longer. Why is Austin sitting here with the one that expires at six instead of five? And he gave the one that expires at five, the slightly more powerful one away. What are you doing,
1: dude? I thought that I could. The only thing that I could figure out is either he like messed it up and put the one in. And then after the fact was like, wait a minute this yeah, he one's probably good wasn't until six it, he's
0: probably like no. i have two idols just give you one thinking i'm gonna get it back and then slowly but surely he's like wait i didn't ask for it back now she has it now it's
1: awkward now i guess it's just hers or maybe the amulet is he has to play it like it could be the amulet's not yeah, transferable. That might
0: not be transferable yeah
1: and that was probably. the only other thing that i could figure now i'd have no reason to think that that's the case but that's the only thing that i can figure as to why he would have given her the stronger one and kept the weaker one for himself because initially we were, well, last week we had said, if Austin makes it through this, then he can idle himself to final four, but he can't.
0: No, but he can to final five. And he, yep. that's going to be the most interesting thing looking to to next week is he's got that idle. E and D are definitely going to be tip of the tongue for everyone around there. And here's the hoping that we get a very exciting which of us do I play this for? And maybe D batting her eyes at like you could play it for me if you wanted to. And I mean, maybe we'd get a full villain moment of like D knowing that Austin's going to get voted out, tricking him into giving it to her. Who knows? But it's definitely in play. Emily is not in play. She went home, and God bless her. One of one of the best to come around in a long time. Uh, Definitely one of the most fun arcs and characters and cast members. And here's the hope. And she has a big old glass of wine at Ponderosa waiting for her. And I cannot wait to see uh, this jury is uh, coming around to be one of my favorite juries I've ever seen. Like the jury is just wonderful. Love this jury so much. Look forward to their questions. But for now, let's hand out some hardware and chat some awards. All right, starting off with Quote of the Week, I will go first with my nominee because while there were a few deserving, I only have one. And I know it's definitely on your list because we always have Jake on and or winning this award. But Jake, as an actor, I felt like the past couple votes have been an extra. I've been playing the tree. I've been doing a very good job of playing the tree. But to be honest with you, I'm sick of playing a goddamn tree. So this vote, I'm being more of a supporting role which is you know looking on the bright side as ever certainly he is playing a supporting role in this vote and i just loved everything about that i loved learning that he teaches uh community theater yep and uh yeah jake's jake's great do you have any quotes to rival jake's uh playing a tree quote
1: i mean no because i also wrote that down because it was amazing and a- perfect analogy of how his game has been going. Um, I did appreciate that when they got back from the feast and drew lay down, I didn't catch it the first time I caught it on the rewatch when he laid down and like curled up with his immunity idol. Um, Jake again said quite loudly fetal position commence, um, <laughs> which was incredible and overlooked. Like I totally did not hear it. The first yeah, time I that I watched it.
0: I would have had to go back to I I heard someone say something and I assumed it was funny because of yeah. what Drew was doing and that they were <laughs> there, but I didn't pick up on what was said. So yes, that's very good.
1: So there's that, and then I don't these like none of these rival the one that you said, like that one wins. Mm-hmm. But there was also man up and face me when there's three left of Julie, and just like her full almost like her full villain moment has come to fruition. Followed by Jake again of there goes a badass right there as Emily walked out. Um
0: yeah. okay, so can I admit something about that moment with Jake? Yep. So he says, There goes a badass right there, there goes a badass. And obviously, Jake has his accent. Yep. And specifically the second time, I it sounded with his accent. Like he said, there goes a badass right there. There goes a fat ass and like not in like a derogatory in like a yeah. like sexual way or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it sounded like he said, P-H-A-T, like there goes a fat ass, like whatever with this accent. And I just was like, obviously you didn't say that. And I'm a child <laughs> for even thinking it, but it was kind of funny. <laughs> I got a good. idea. Mean,
1: I, 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 but Jake I also, always
0: wanted to react to a vote out, yeah. no matter what always oh, absolutely give probably an inappropriate over-the-top reaction that everyone else is going to be like let's just let's just tone down you don't need to share your feelings at this moment um, you don't have the
1: talking we'll stick talk. jake yeah uh... i although like his loud whoa sorry whoa is quite possibly one of my top five favorite quotes from any season of survivor ever
0: well we will uh, probably do a season recap where we hand out the quote of the season. So uh, that'll strong contender to say, I already have
1: my quote for next week. Cause it was in the next time on.
0: Oh, wow. Well, yeah.
1: It was be again beaten. with Jake. I'm not out of this game. I'm a wolf in goats clothing.
0: Yeah. That the upset, the apple cart thing is a real saying. Um, yes, it is. That uh, Tyson and crew on their pod, like weren't aware of. And I was like, I thought I thought it was actually pretty. I thought I, it was very common. Yeah. I thought it was very common. And I thought again, the accent is thick at sometimes, and so um, both Katurra I think didn't know the saying, but also was like, "What are you saying, apricot, whatever?" But uh, yeah, it's a very common saying. That one he did, he gets wrong next week. That's not the right phraseology of the saying he's going for there. Anyway, well, it's
1: because it's because he's considered a goat in the game to like yes. be drugged to the end and not fixing. have yeah yeah yeah.
0: That's smart. So moment of the episode. Uh, I've got a couple nominees here. Uh, I think a few things that we haven't actually talked about. Um, definitely the the pop champagne moment at the beginning was just kind of, you know, stands out. I, I don't know yeah. that I've seen people celebrate like that after someone gets voted out. Obviously, Katura's uh moment and you know, the culmination of her story getting to say she built her fantasy that stands out for me. Then I had, um, <laughs> we didn't mention earlier during guys day 2.0 they have the spa day for the women and it's just two of them and two of them both knowing they want to vote for each other awkwardly reading the buffs uh reading where the buffs were made so now we know where the buffs were made and that was hilarious and then um again the austin d the that i read earlier the there's a strong movement against her against emily (laughs) against julie uh that that was that was really great and then the final one, Drew always, and of course, uh, finally doesn't have anything to say at Tribal Council. And Jeff literally sits back and is like, <laughs> excuse me, sir, Drew, you're Drew. That's it? That's all you got for us? And Drew's like, well, if, you, if you're if you gonna ask, I got a great reference to some person connected to Napoleon. You want to hear about him? Let me regale you. And, uh, and Drew regales us again. So those were
1: all the moments that stood out to me. Kelly's reaction to that moment was what made that moment
0: everyone should be reacting more by this point (laughs) because it's ridiculous and hilarious and I love every bit of it
1: yeah um so I mean Keturah getting to tell her full story is my favorite moment of the episode but also Julie there's two moments with Julie one is three so Julie saying like being able to kind of push all of the target onto Emily at like post-tribal. Also when she was sitting there with Jake and Emily and she's just like, if I don't hear back from you from the end by the end of the day, I'm going rogue. And I was just like the the like confidence and just that was badass. It was total badass. Um and then when she when she was talking to D about Austin when they were in like the wood they were in the jungle and she was just like without Austin drew's week he said she's like yeah so we take him out and then d realized that she had sort of proved julie's point and then kept trying to backtrack and then said that she would like that austin was her number one and now in confessional she referred to having two number ones which that's not how math works but i understand in theory yeah number but 11 that moment... not a
0: strong position to hold someone in
1: <laughs> yeah so it was uh It was interesting to see Julie's reaction to that because she didn't react until the confessional. She just kept right on going as if that was common knowledge in the moment. And then as soon as the confessional hit, she's like, I don't know about that.
0: Yeah. uh, Julie, definitely incredible episode. And if it wasn't for being uh, so in love with getting to learn finally about Keturah, then I think Julie could have taken the moment of the episode, but I'm with you. I am going to give it to Keturah's story then uh best and worst gameplay for worst i've uh, i've just got emily at the beginning of the episode uh, because it's too hard to parse the decisions at the end of the episode are again as reference very very difficult and tricky and both sides of it kind of makes sense uh even if they end up being costly for some or in the future are going to be very costly so i've got to give worst to emily's not waiting to share the information and just how she went about in the, in the celebration, sharing that like, I'm going to take credit for that while also letting Julie know that I was willing to throw her under. If things went wrong, it was going to be you, um, that that didn't work out so well. And as far as best move, I will say Julie for having the strong enough relationship to overcome a showmance to where D was still like, again, math doesn't work, but, you are actually tied in my mind with Austin, who I have in a romantic relationship with now. Um, So that testament to the long-term of building that relationship to be told for sure, play your idol. And then as much as the excitement level would have been 12 out of 10, if she took Austin out in that moment, I do think it was the correct move for her to make to say, I can find a way to win this battle of the four of us. And I'm willing to have that battle next week and get, the one person, because I think they all have to look at Jake and Katura and be like, those two aren't beating us. Yeah. Emily would beat some of us, maybe all of us, depending how things go. As we've sift out who of the four of us gets to sit there. I don't think those two could. So I think she makes the right decision. Still a very exciting decision. Just a 10 out of 10 regular amazing decision versus the 12 out of 10 that getting Austin out would have been. Um, but I have to give her the best move for controlling having a lot of fun with the information she has as you just referenced all the amazing moments um but ultimately probably making the best decision for her to stay on the path to winning a million dollars at the end
1: yeah so i was able to um separate all the stuff at the end and gave my worst move to austin telling d because well, i shouldn't have done that it's the first domino in that whole situation because everybody like Everybody was on board. You had all the different parts of the remaining people on board that needed to be on board. Nothing else needed to be done. And I understand why he did it. Like, absolutely. In addition to her and him being romantically linked, she's also like the strongest alliance that he has next to Drew. So he's going to tell D. that's a foregone conclusion. But he would have had the best move of the night if he didn't. Yeah. So it only makes sense that he has the worst move of the night for telling her.
0: I think this was the first step of him. I think what he might be in his real mind is if I let this happen, then next up is it's me D and, and drew and yeah. I'm in the middle and they're both telling me to vote the other one out. And yeah. I have to then make that decision, which is even harder or, maybe somewhere in the back of his mind. Cause I do not, we'll talk about it in a moment. I don't think Austin's going to win now. And I think if he, if Julie goes home right here, I think Austin is going to win and yeah. now I don't think he's going to win. And I think maybe in his mind, this was the beginning of him kind of mentally deciding to bring it back to his own reference that he's willing to be the Rob to Amber and he yeah. doesn't, and he's kind of okay with her winning and that this was more helpful for D than it was to him and was gonna help him avoid the another difficult situation, an even more difficult situation of, well, shit. Now I have, <laughs> now I have Emily over here with her ideas, but I also have Drew and D both like Drew saying D, D saying Drew, and me being yep. in the middle like this is impossible. What did I get myself into? So I think this was his first step in avoiding that episode MVP, Tony. This is a tough one. This is an incredibly tough one. Obviously, Austin has a case, D has a case, Julie has a case. Emily probably doesn't, um, but she's going home. Mm. And so it's just tough not to say she maybe doesn't have a case. At least we get on the ballot. Um, as great as you know, getting the backstory of Keturah was, that was she wasn't very prevalent the rest of the episode. So she's probably out. It's probably between probably between Julie, D, and Austin for me. And Maybe Austin and D cancel each other. I think I might have to give it to Julie. You did a nice recap of the couple different moments once she had the info. She yeah. really did wield it like an absolute badass. And I've really enjoyed every minute of the her being just on the edge of chaotic and paranoid, but like without actually being those things, kind of faking those things a touch to see yeah. what reaction she would get. I think I might have to go with Julie.
1: So yeah, I, so yeah, I'm, I just realized they didn't give best move, but it's the same best move as yours, which is Julie getting Emily out. Um, As far as MVP, it has to be Julie because she, if you look, I know I've referenced our own podcast a bunch this episode, but if you look at last week's episode, the person in like one of the lowest spots on the power ranking just took out the person in the top spot on the power ranking. So I I can't not give her the MVP like she yeah. took that information she had the opportunity to make really splashy moves but instead like everybody on the beach has said D Julie and Emily are the big threats in the game and if you have a if you want a chance at winning none of the three of them can be sitting at the end mm-hmm. and I totally agree with that and that was Julie's opportunity because she wasn't going to take out D in that moment The only other thing that she could have done to infinitely help her game was ditch emily
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and uh so yeah yeah i think she nailed the entertainment factor and the game factor obviously she was the big winner of the episode so clear cut mvp for julie and now we head to what would normally be power rankings and predictions but instead we're going to ask one question for each cast member left so let's head to the final segment so now that we only have six people left and we've said goodbye to emily instead of power rankings we are going to do a quick a final question here which is who can blank sit by at the final three and win so for we're going to go through each of the six people very quickly here and say who we would assume is their best chance at winning who do they need to be sitting by for some of these people, it will be for their best chance because they probably have a good chance to with a bunch of different people. But for a few of them, it'll be is there a possibility for them to win? And we'll, we're going to kind of go in order of my personal order of uh, would be my power rankings anyways right now. So mm-hmm. we'll start with D. Who does D not need to be sitting by, or unless you disagree that there is a specific three, she needs to be sitting by. Cause in my mind, if she's there, she's going to win, I think right now. Um, but who gives, who is she sitting by that gives her the best chances of winning?
1: So for D I just simply put that the best chance that she has is to not be sitting next to Julie. Um, I think, I think otherwise... Julie's the only one
0: that could cancel out any of her stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think she can easily Austin drew for sure. Austin, she can pretty easily be like, nah, honey, too bad. Remember when like Leno over, like, remember when you wanted to be Boston, Robin, Amber, well, like, this is your chance. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I did all those things. Yeah. I think, I think she's gonna, I think Julie is the only person that could beat D at the end. And it would be up to what would happen between now and them both getting there and what they did at tribal. Uh, so I will agree. And then Julie is next on my list. I think if she's sitting next to anyone other than D she will win yeah similar answer to that I would have actually said for D and then I'm probably about to say for Austin and Drew if Julie's sitting next to Katura and Jake is the highest probability slam dunk possibly unanimous vote um barring some crazy shit going down in the next two weeks that gets earns one of those two a vote uh do you what say you
1: um I think that I think that Jake and Katura have the best chance against Drew, but I also think that they need to be there together. Um, I mean, honestly, if you have, huh, if you have Julie Katura and Jake there, you've got three lawyers as your final three, and I'll be really interested to see how that plays out. Um, I think that Jake and Katura are able to talk their way into a couple of votes to explain why they're still there. Um, so I think that no matter what, they would be able to snag at least one or two votes, but their best their best chance, and I know I'm jumping around, but their best chance would be to sit next to Drew, because I think if either Austin, Julie, or D are next to them, it's a much harder battle. Whereas they can discount Drew's moves as, Austin's or D's or Julie's rather than his own or, Emily's. and that gives the two of them agency.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, this was silly to try to do it one by one when the answer is kind of the same <laughs> yeah, groupings. Yeah. Uh, Cause I basically agree with everything you said. Um, I honestly don't know that Jake and Katara, I don't know if Jake can get any votes without doing something dramatic in the next two episodes. Maybe Katura can because I think she did have much stronger relationships than maybe we were given witness to, to some people on the jury that might just not want to vote for the Reba person or whatnot. Right. Um, But I find it hard to believe either of them isn't going to end up in a Owen as the most recent example situation of the best they can say is, you know, I survived and the game's called survivor and everyone's like, well, yeah, but that's kind of not the game we really play anymore. We don't give really give out votes to people just because we like them and they're here. Um, I think, I, yeah, I don't really, I don't want to say there's zero way they could win because maybe, yes, if it was those two and Drew, I think Katara could talk her way into it and maybe even Jake could, um, mm-hmm. but it's going to be tough and it would require, I think, even them. Again, though, they are lawyers, so this could happen they would have to really like bring drew down. Like they would have to continually drew would have to be like, say me and my Alliance did X and they would have to be like, well, person that he just referenced on the jury. Can you confirm like, yeah, this from my point of view, drew actually was just voting along with that same as we did same as we did on that vote. And it was actually D or it was actually Austin or it was actually Emily, um so yeah, I'm right there with you. The for Katerra Jake, they gotta be sitting there together and with Drew. Maybe Austin. I don't know. Maybe they could bring it could Austin be.
1: down. Like but he wants
0: he won enough immunities and he had idols and stuff, so he can he's got that to cling to that they even don't have. So
1: But I mean he has the hardware in that he found he found the idol, but Julian D found the idol, like really they gave them the final clue. Yeah. And so they could talk him out of that win. He got the amulet with Jay and Kelly. And like Kelly even acknowledges that it was Emily's move to get her out, not Austin's. Yeah. So I I would be very interesting. I'm interested to see... What kind of a shot Austin actually has, But I also think now that we're talking about it, Jake and Katura will probably be the two people who will most effectively use the jury
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and i'm I'm also just thinking uh, the the only thing I'm just thinking about is is it much as I try to come up with ways that Cotura or Jake could win? The thing is if they sat there with only Drew or only Austin or just one of the four Reba, yeah. that would mean that there's three guaranteed votes of the Rebas that have now been eliminated over on Depends that jury. on who went out. Um with the exception of Drew is the one that I could see like I could see Julie being like I'm okay not voting for Drew. It's, yeah, I got to there. I got there. We had that conversation that one time but I got there. Uh, um so yeah, they need to be sitting there Drew weirdly needs to be sitting next to austin i feel like in either jake or katura um i feel like it actually helps him maybe weirdly to have austin there to be able to say we did a lot of this stuff together but he was kind of the lapdog of d and i was actually like the one between the two of us like offering some ideas and things like that. Um, and maybe being able to get Emily to be like, yeah, I was working with the two of them, but like drew was the one like pitching stuff. Austin was just kind of like, I've got idols whenever we need them. Um, but yeah, the, in summary, dear Julie's probably going to win. Um, unless they're the only the two next two out. And you did reference earlier. I didn't, I had picked up on both moments where they referenced the fire making I hadn't thought at all of like, maybe they would take it out, but I don't think they're going to take it out. So who wins immunity next week? Will D betray Austin or Austin, give himself up for D and who goes home. Any predictions that you would like to make on those three levels, Tony?
1: I don't think that anyone that's left wants to let Julie get to the end. Now that she's made that move after getting out, Emily, who was the biggest threat Julie just made herself the biggest threat by getting out Emily. Mm-hmm. So if she wins immunity, obviously that throws a wrench in the plan, but I don't see a way forward for Julie really because like she's D's going to have a way harder time with Julie than if she sits next to Drew and Austin. So I think that I think that I think it's Julie but yeah. I think it's Julie. I'm going to say it. It's, I think Julie's going.
0: It's a complete toss up between yeah. du- Julie D Austin and drew like all four of yeah. them, because again, I think everyone will slowly, but surely as much as Julie might have gained power, will quickly realize as we on the outside are able to from the edit D got Emily out. Yeah, Th- That was her she convinced her she got the information she needed from her one ally and she convinced her other ally to do what she wanted and not what that person wanted with that vote yep. so this was on d um so yeah i think yeah all of them are up in the air i really would love to see drew win immunity again as far as the most interesting because yes. i don't want it's the least interesting to me if the fracture leads to like drew is the one that goes home next week. And they, yeah. and we have to prolong D and Austin and D and Julie confronting this a little more. I think, cause I think, you know, drew separated himself a little this episode. So I think it's most Definitely. interesting if he wins again and makes it like, I'm not available and you guys all want Katara and Jake with you there. So like, it's the three of you, we've got to decide. And that really puts Austin in the grinder of like, we've got one idol for the two of us. We need this to be Julie. Everyone's given us mixed messages. Um, so I think, uh, I think Austin's going to go home next week. I think he's going to play his idol for D and I think it's going to backfire and it's going to be an amazing television moment. That's what I'm hoping for predicting and we'll see if it (laughs) comes to fruition, but this season has been awesome. It continues to be awesome. And I'm very excited for, uh, like all reality competition shows, it usually tapers off a little in the end for me. Uh, you know, things seem pretty as good of a job as the editors can do. It seems you kind of yeah. you have a feeling and maybe you've lost most of the interesting people, but this one is uh, crescendoing nicely into a, a true climax here for the penultimate in the finale and can't can't wait to watch it. Can't wait to pot about it. We will be back next week and the following um as always sometime between thursday and monday uh no no promises other than that we promise to be here again (laughs) and that i won't get too busy and nothing will nothing will come between us potting so any closing thoughts before we head out tony
1: i think i can definitively say that this is my favorite season of the new era like i like i like players from every season that has played and but this season i think is my favorite season of the new era and possibly my favorite season of like the last maybe 10 or so excluding winners at war
0: this one is definitely validating i feel like for the show in general and like a lot of fans of like hey like we've both had enough time to get over you know to just adjust and adjust mentally to like this is a new thing and different thing and it is what it is and we have to be willing to except what's the best this version can offer this different version. Um, but is at the same time as we're five in and getting a little more comfortable and used to it, we also then get smacked in the face with definitively, I think the best one for sure. Yeah. Like the, the cast have been really good. The casting department has been doing an amazing job. Um, and as much as this one, maybe I want to hold it a little against it that multiple people quit, but thankfully those were first and fourth or whatever of the season. Yeah. And so uh, it actually, it kind of made it compelling and interesting to talk about and be upset about, but still like compelled. And it wasn't like, you know, it would have been different if Sean was like here in the final eight and quit and made like ruined one of the last handful right. of episodes. Um, so yeah, best season of the modern era for sure. I can't say how far back. Cause unlike you, I'm, you know, born again. So, you know, around winners at wartime. So can't say What season was Michelle Fitzgerald on, uh, Ko
1: and Blue's at War 30. Is that 35 36, something like
0: that?
1: I'm bad, with, I'm bad with numbers because they started using like they used to use names and now they use numbers, and yeah, it's really well, confusing. It was
0: somewhere in the mid 30s, I think, is her season, right? Somewhere around there, something but
1: like that, yeah. Because she the season yeah. with
0: her and the season with Jay and Michaela, Millennials
1: versus like Gen Xers.
0: So, whenever those were, it's the best since that one says me, who's only seen two thirds of those seasons I'm referencing.
1: I'm pretty sure millennials versus Gen Xers was 33, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. And 35 was, I want to say heroes, healers, hustlers. I've had, to, I've had to Desi. type
0: it down a couple times for their resumes for challenge, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there. It's an amazing season. It's been yes. a super fun podcasting about it, and we will be back to do so next week. So until then, everyone have a great rest of your weekend and week, and we will talk to you later.